This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Not Over It. I'm Becky Kirsch, Managing Editor at PopSugar. And I'm Zareen Siddiqui, Director of Partnerships at PopSugar. This week, we're discussing the magical world of Disney, more specifically the phenomenon that is Disney live action, which has really picked up the past 10 years. Everything is just coming to life. Um, But before we dive into that, the horrors of uh, Disney live action Lion King, Becky, what's your not over it? So my not over it this week started on Instagram. I was scrolling through Instagram when all of a sudden I see an image of someone's house where a giant transformer had been uh, what I thought photoshopped into the image. But it turns out, no, no, this is an actual photo from the inside of Tyrese Gibson's mansion in Atlanta. So Tyrese was recently featured in Architectural Digest and in that AD series that we all know and love. Oh, yes. Features such things as Cara Delevingne's Bizarre House. House of uh, Horrors. My God. What's her name with the limes? Dakota Johnson, yeah. Dakota Johnson's Limehouse, where she's actually allergic to Lime's twist. Anyway, this wasn't featured in the video, but in the actual article, it is revealed that in the entrance of this beautiful chateau-style mansion, he has a 16-foot-tall bumblebee transformer just waiting there when you walk in, which really is a statement kind of kills the whole vibe for me but according to tyrese this is the only thing he added and the kids and adults love bumblebee there's also optimus prime he wasn't pictured but but he's in there there's such random things to see he said oh god but also Um, tell me you're single without telling me you're single (laughs) yeah i guess ultimately they're going to be in voltron studios hollywood whatever that is was he in any of the transformer movies yes serene he was in all three he was? of the Shia LaBeouf Transformers movies. Transformers, Transformers, colon, Revenge of the Fallen, and Transformers, Dark of the Moon. But yeah. speaking of the fact that he stars in not one but two franchises, he also has a replica of an Oscar on his mantle that he ordered online because he believes in willing things into existence. <laughs> oh, no. And he's no. on his way. You know? But... My question for you is, does he still have the Benihanas in his backyard? Not that I saw. You know, he used to have like a full functioning like mini Benihanas in his backyard. And after like some award show, Andy Samberg, the lonely boy, the Lost Island, whatever they're called. The lonely boy. (laughs) The Dan Humphrey lonely boy. (laughs) The lonely island guys. Is that what they're called? Yes, that's what they're called. (laughs) And Aziz and Sorry were all at, they went to Tyrese's house after like some award show and he had a chef there and you know how those chefs like always 
they're cooking up a small little shrimp and then they throw it and someone catches it in their mouth. Aziz and Sari caught one and everyone's like freaking out in the video. And I still think of that video every single time I think of Tyrese. But is it actually like sponsored by Benihana or just no, like he's just hibachi? like he loves Benihana so much that he created an entire replica. And then he gets like a hibachi chef to come in his backyard and like do this for people, which I was like, this is weird, but also amazing. I think one day my dream is going to come to life. I'm going to roll this out and I'm going to turn it into a national food chain. Gipsyana. Must be nice to be rich. No, all I saw was <laughs> yes, I assume a, tramp a trampoline and a movie theater in the back, which looked pretty nice. Oh, a trampoline. Anyway, <laughs> don't say the trampoline doesn't. Yes. He's like, <laughs> this is a trampoline. And we're like, this seemed necessary for you to show. But I mean, I could go on. First of all, is this not just Cribs? Like, why did they cancel Cribs if we're still watching Cribs? This is like the elevated, rinsed version of Cribs. Like, now Architectural Digest is getting all the credit. Cribs walked so AD could run. That's, <laughs> That's true. That anyway, is let's talk about You're Not Over It, which I've already heard about, but I want to hear about it again from you. From you. Well, my Not Over It is something um, that's very close to my heart, mostly because this is something that I deal with on a regular basis. My mom is a very big fan of The View. And every morning I wake up to text messages where she is incredibly frustrated with one of the hosts on The View, Megan McCain, who praised... Wait, hold on. What time do you wake up that your mom's already seen The View before Well, she usually will, up? like, record it, so she watches she watches them a day behind. Okay, okay, fair, fair. Because <laughs> it airs at 10 a.m. in Texas, 11 a.m. in New York, in case anyone was wondering. Um but yes, Megan McCain is one of the co-hosts. She is now leaving after almost four years of torturing us all in the morning. It's only been four years. Can you believe it? <laughs> Can it you? I don't even watch The View and it feels like it's been much longer. Becky, Becky has heard about this quite a bit because I, of course, fat, like forward all the messages that my mom sends me to Becky. And No, every time you go back to Texas, all of a sudden I'm getting all these messages about what's the live, the live uh, blog of you watching The View. No, she, Megan McCain has a constitution on her bedside table, so don't talk to her about the constitution. Um, it's just like, it, it, she's, Wait, she's, what does that mean? She did, like she printed out on her No, computer? she has. No. <laughs> like from National Treasure? No, you can't talk to her about the constitution. She knows everything. It's on her bedside table. So, okay. But, right um, next to the Bible. Yeah, you know, one and the same. Um, mostly I'm just glad because if any other person acted like, I think she just kind of represents everything that's wrong. Not with this country, but, you know, sort of. It's like this very privileged person that comes on and, like, has a terrible attitude and doesn't know how to talk to people that have opposing views. Yeah, part of your job is to listen to me. Okay, so <laughs> All I'm make saying Abby is and check, I uncomfortable. Check the platform, not the mm -hmm. person. I am John Look McCain's daughter. Policy. I am not someone who sits here and is okay with racism and in I any am way Gino whatsoever. Kuro's daughter. <laughs> Anyone else behave that way, especially a person of color or a black woman? My God, there's no way they would last this long. So Alexa, play Bye Bye. Because God, we're all so happy. Wait, what's Bye Bye? Alexa. Bye Bye Bye? Bye Bye Bye. <laughs> Add another Bye. Oh, like Bye Bye Birdie? Oh, Bye Bye Birdie. I was also thinking of the other, like the baseball song. Not the baseball song. Wait, who song. should replace her? Who will replace her? You? No, God. Oh, no. Is this how you tell me you're quitting the podcast? You should get B. Scott on there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Mm -hmm. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so in today's episode, we are getting into the live action remakes, live action adaptations that Disney has been rolling out that now feels like it's becoming a, a frenzy, a phenomenon. They're, they're got a lot in the works. A lot have already come out. Uh, Cruella just came out a couple of months ago. This week, we saw the first pictures on the set of the live action Little Mermaid, the Jungle Cruise movie, which doesn't really count as a remake, but to me still counts as a questionable live action adaptation (laughs) because it's based off of a ride comes out later this month. So we thought we would take a take a moment, take a few moments to deep dive into these movies and sort of evaluate which which ones have actually been good. How have they served us? Do we need these movies? Yeah, I mean, I think do we need any of them? No. But I think there's been some that have been, you know, well-received and others that have not. And I think it it really depends on sort of the origin of, like, is it based on animals? Is it more, like, people-forward, which has sort of been the thing for me. Is it, pe- is it people-forward? <laughs> like, I just... I, the Lion King was really a traumatic experience for me, and I also feel like I got really duped because the entire time I just wanted to see Beyonce and Don Glover, and here I was being terrified by just, like... a legit lion that had no facial expressions like singing a song so many things to tell her but how to make her see the truth about my past impossible she turn away from me he's holding back he's hiding but what i can't decide why won't he be the king i know he is the king i see inside and I was like, I hate all of this. This is so unfair. I feel duped. I actually enjoyed Beyonce's um, Black is King album. To me, that is Lion King. And I will take that over the actual movie any day. Fair. But OK, so let, let's go back and talk about where these started. So Disney sort of first dipped their toe in the water all the way back in 1994, where there was a live action Jungle Book. And that was actually adapted from Rudyard Kipling's novel. It wasn't actually a remake of the cartoon but don't worry they did do the lot quote-unquote live action remake of the cartoon in 2016 when john john favreau directed it and that was a little bit closer to the non-people forward live action lion king all the animals yeah to me that's like this end of the same category where i would have liked to see idris elba i don't want to just hear him right well that's like i would much prefer to watch a movie with donald glover and beyonce Correct. Faces. I, w- I would like to see that movie. Please make that movie. Um, but then also in the 90s, the live action 101 Dalmatians came out. That had Glenn Close as Cruella DeVille, which is really the main thing that everyone remembers about that movie because she was so great. And when the Emma Stone origin story came out, people weren't sure if she was going to be able to live up to how amazing Glenn Close was. But overall, people did enjoy Emma Stone's performance. Um, but 
it didn't seem like at that point, I mean, this was the 90s. This is when some of the most iconic Disney movies of our childhoods were still coming out for the first time. Right, so the originals. We were in, yes, they hadn't run out of ideas yet. They still had original ideas, if you can believe it. Um, but in the past 10 years is when they really started to be like, uh, everyone loves nostalgia. We got nothing. Let's take all those old movies that everyone's obsessed with and redo them, put real people in them. And in 2015, Cinderella came out with Lily James and Richard Madden. And then after that, they did Beauty and the Beast. Then they did Aladdin. And it's kind of just been continuing on from there. You know, generally, I, I like to think that I, I'm actually not a big fan of these live action remakes from Disney. And yet I somehow have seen almost all of them. So I don't know how that happens, but it does. And so I think I, I know mentioned I know Becky mentioned this um, to me a while ago where we just keep feeding. We keep eating what they keep feeding us. And <laughs> if it's available, I'll, I'll watch it. Um, during the pandemic, I watched Mulan, um, you know, which I did not enjoy at all well let's talk about Milan for a second though because that was one I I didn't watch it because it got such bad reviews but what was interesting to me about that one is that it wasn't a shot for shot remake or even close to one like a lot of these other no, movies are yeah. like they took away the songs which was one of the biggest reasons I didn't want to watch it because if it doesn't have I'll make a man out of you which even though it's kind of problematic in retrospect I don't want to see it There's no Mushu? No, yeah. I think with Mulan, it sort of would have... They could have easily done the remake sort of in in carrying the story through. And I think the lack of songs, the lack of a lot of original plots, to me, I didn't... AI is like, what is this? What am I watching? I don't even know what, what's going on. And then it was just really incredibly slow. It didn't feel like a Disney movie to me. I think that was my biggest gripe with it, where, you know, I've seen... I watched Beauty and the Beast it came out a while ago, um, but I watched that pretty recently and I enjoyed it because it felt like a Disney movie watching it. I don't know if that makes sense. It just didn't feel like fluffy. I guess Mulan's not supposed to be a fluffy story, but watching the cartoon, it still feels very Disney and fun and lively, whereas live action Mulan was kind of scary. Yeah, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the live action Beauty and the Beast. And I think my overall feeling towards these and what you were sort of getting at is that I do think there's a part of us that because these movies are so important or, or to many of us, certain ones more than others to our childhoods, there's a part of us that feels protective of them. Like, you can't make this better. Don't do this. And there's another right. part of us that's like, OK, well, I have to see it. I have to see what you've done. I, I have to see how you destroyed it. Um, Correct. Beauty and the Beast, I... I thought it was fun. I thought parts of it were really good. <laughs> the Dan Stevens as the Beast was kind of hilarious. And it, seeing what he looked like on when they filmed it, like the green screen, because it was all CGI. It was yeah, sort of like crazy. Gollum. And he was on stilts and everything. I mean, there was... It was a little bit hard to swallow seeing Emma Watson, our beloved Hermione, and also just any human like trying to fall in love with a, a CGI Beast. Right. I mean, there was something about that that really brought things into question that I think are easier to ignore in the cartoon version, but the songs are still great. Come on and lift your glass. You want your own free pass to be our guest. If you're stressed, it's fine dining, we suggest. Be our guest, be our guest, be our guest. 
I, it's not better than the original, no. but but it still felt you're not Disney. mad at it. It felt it still felt Disney with the music. Did Dan Stevens leave Downton Abbey for this movie? <laughs> not specifically for this movie, but for these type this type of fame. Yikes! The type of fame where you can't see his face. Yeah. Um, and generally, I've I've seen the live action ones that were based on movies that I love. Like I didn't see Dumbo, but I did love the fact that when my niece saw it. I think she was three when she came home and I was like, how was Dumbo? She just looked at me and goes, it was pretty weird, <laughs> which tells me everything I needed to know. And, I, you know, the original Dumbo is pretty weird. So it seemed like that lived yeah. up to it. Also, that uh, Tim Burton directed that. So that sounds terrifying. It was pretty scary. Yeah. Was, um, Maleficent was also terrifying. I only saw the first of that. But I was very, very I did enjoy that, actually. I think Angelina Jolie did such a good job in that movie. But Again, the theatrics of that, I think, actually felt a lot more Disney-esque. And I know we watched Aladdin together. and We didn't hate it, but I don't think I walked out of that like, oh, man, I really needed this in my life. I'm so glad it exists. Well, what's interesting about that one is that there aren't that many 90s Disney movies where the original voice is so iconic right. that you can't get past it. I mean, like, they definitely had famous actors in a lot of the voices. I mean, who could forget Jonathan Taylor Thomas as the young Simba in The Lion King? But mm. during that time of our lives, there wasn't A-list actors in all these roles. It was a lot of Broadway voices um, or, you know, voice actors. But Will Smith tried. But Robin Williams is so incredible even you don't see him, but you really feel him in there. And there right. was something that just felt so wrong about anyone else in that role. Whoa! Whoa! Does it feel good to be out of there? I'm telling you, nice to be back, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, where are you from? What's your name? Uh, uh, Aladdin. Aladdin! Hello, Aladdin. Nice to have you on the show. Can we call you Al? Or maybe just Din? Or how about Laddie? Yeah, it felt a little bit... Yeah, I think everybody felt a little bit distraught. And I don't think Will Smith did a bad job with Jeannie. But yeah, to your point, I think when certain characters have such, I don't know, like I, all I think about is, you know, the seeing those like behind the scenes, like footage of Robin Williams, like doing recording the original Jeannie and stuff. So you kind of just, that's all you picture. Whereas it was kind of hard to watch Will Smith play this role. And also because, you know, Robin Williams is no longer with us. So it feels like, why did you do this? Did you ask him? I don't think you'd be okay with this. Did you get his permission? Um, but also the voice actors, I also think <laughs> Prince Eric was played by Steve on Full House, which I didn't learn. Oh, I know Aladdin was. Aladdin oh, was. Oh, yeah, that's right. Aladdin, sorry. Um, which I didn't learn. I, I learned not too long ago and was shocked. But it all makes sense. No, and now I, that's all I see. <laughs> I do that. But what's funny is that apparently the actor, Scott Weiner, Weiner I don't know how you pronounce the last name, but doesn't have a great singing voice so someone else sings aladdin songs which also oh, seems kind of rude yeah. why can't you just have the person who's singing be their voice and same with jonathan taylor thomas like jonathan taylor thomas was like the marquee talent that played simba and actually most of the actors in the lion king were somewhat famous um yeah. at the time you know matthew broderick played adult simba and jeremy irons mr bean i think played uh zazu oh yeah that's right I love Zazu, my favorite. Yeah, Lion King out of like the most recent ones for me was like the biggest miss, I have to say. Just because I think there was well, so much hype over like this grand star, this all-star cast. And I don't know. I, it's almost, I prefer the cartoon. 
give me like the one it's dimensional. It's still a cartoon. No, it's the same thing. It's bizarre. <laughs> like, no, but at least it's the original still a cartoon. Car- the original- no, I know, but I'm I'm agreeing with you. But I'm saying like, why are we? We're just remaking right, this yeah, better it, animation. Yeah, it feels unnecessary. Yeah. It's a cash grab. I mean, these are all cash grabs, but some are more obvious than others, to your point. Yeah. I know you didn't mind the Cinderella. I liked Cinderella. I thought Cape Blanchett was really good. I feel like this one isn't talked about that much because it came out in 2015 and before the, the full onslaught. But I thought Lily James was very beautiful and worked in the role. And everyone loves looking at Richard Madden as the prince. And I found this pleasant and enjoyable. I remember being happy for Richard Madden because he had recently been killed off Game of Thrones. So I was like, I'm glad he has work. But outside of that, this movie did nothing else for me. (laughs) I mean, none of these movies, uh, do I have any interest in watching again and again, which I think is what makes them so different from the originals. And I think when I've watched them with kids, they never prefer the live action to the cartoon. Never. No, because it's weirder to see people i mean that was sort of my hesitation also going into beauty and the beast i think for me i was nervous because emma's you know emma watson was playing the main character and i was like oh no this is weird because we know her as something else specifically so in a weird way sometimes it's better when there are they're you know they're up and coming actors or actresses and we don't know who they are necessarily but then other times it's, it's such a hit or miss and it seems like there's no i don't know well, I enjoyed that about Aladdin, too. I mean, the actors that played Aladdin and Jasmine at the time were very unknown. So, so Some would say so, still pretty unknown. <laughs> I know. I Well, uh, what's her name? Naomi. She was in Charlie's Angels that no one watched. No, but remember that Aladdin was like made that video where he was like, no one loves me. No one will cast me in anything. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I've been typecasted as Aladdin forever. Yeah. Aladdin's going to be well, on The Wire next week. <laughs> CSI New York Aladdin. Um, Naomi Scott, who played Jasmine, has gone on to get other roles. But yes, to your point, she's not a household name. Um, but yes, it didn't. there's no distraction in it Yeah, when they cast up-and-comers. No. But that's why you have to have Will Smith. Well, yeah, because they still got to sell the movie. Yeah, Will Smith is like, God, the press that he did for that movie alone, he should get an award for. It was everywhere, doing all the things. Didn't he rap at the end? Yeah, he raps, and like every show he goes on, he sings like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air like song to get the audience all hype. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground of grass, spent most of my days chilling out, relaxing, relaxing, all cool and all shooting some deep ball up to the school with a couple of guys who are up and over. And it always works. Will Smith just knows how to sell a movie. Box office king. Here's a question. Did literally anyone see the late live action Lady and the Tramp that went straight to Disney Plus and never went to the theater? I know our producer Emily did. With Justin <laughs> Thoreau. <laughs> Emily, I'm questioning a lot of your life choices. Like, I don't think anyone saw that. I have never heard one thing about that. But hot take. I don't really love the original Lady and Tramp. Oh, like what? Ha- what's great about that movie besides the spaghetti? The dogs. Dogs are freaking cute. But yeah, I guess it's not for everyone. But the live action definitely is should be for no one. And I'm really disappointed that Emily watched it. I expect better from you. I think Alice in Wonderland that came out in 2010 is sort of what kicked this machine off for Disney. Even though the movie wasn't received that well, it 
made over a billion dollars, which is insane. But I think that's sort of where Disney was like, okay, this is something that works. And we now have 12,000 original movies that we can ruin for everyone else going forward. So let's do it. Um, Remember when Johnny Depp was Disney's cash cow? Oh, my God. Now, now he's not allowed to be in franchises anymore. No, how the times have changed. Well, um, let's wait. Do you think? Do you think Disney regrets putting Johnny Depp's likeness into the Pirates of the Caribbean ride? Speaking of reasons why movies shouldn't be based on rides, <laughs> no, I think they're like this was a great decision. We're so glad he's here. We're so glad we made this horrible. <laughs> but maybe paper going mache forward, popping out at you. Yeah, maybe going forward they'll they they'll think about that a little bit more you know, in this era. Um, well, he's not allowed in the next five Pirates of the Caribbean movies that they're definitely making. <sighs> they need to stop those movies. But um, speaking of stopping movies, when why don't we take a quick break and we get back, we'll talk about all the new movies that we either wish we could stop or maybe we don't wish we could stop. Okay, well, regardless of how we feel about the past of Disney live action adaptations. There are some coming down the pike that I'm excited for. I am legitimately excited to see what they do with the little mermaid. Yeah. Mostly because how are they going to do that? Is no it going to look yeah. good? <laughs> Makes no sense. Like half like yes, they've done animals with humans, but they haven't done a half animal, half human. Like technically her bottom is a fish and she has to swim around. So I are they going to shoot it in a pool? I want to see what happens there. No, I also am very excited because the casting for this is amazing to me. I love David Diggs. I think Javier Bardem playing King Triton is going to be the best. Uh, a little confusing with Melissa McCarthy playing Ursula, but, you know, we'll give her a chance. Um, overall, I think, to your point, I'm just so looking forward to how this will actually work. Um, I imagine some some characters have to be CGI. Like, is Jason Trimley going to be, like, in a flounder costume walking? Jason, Jason Trimley. <laughs> Jacob? What's his name? Yeah, Jacob. Jacob. How does Jacob Trombley still have a, a child's voice is my question. Shouldn't he, I think he be like 16 now? No, he has like, what's his what's his face that's playing Dear Evan Hansen? He's got like that going for him. Forever a yeah, child. He's like 30. But he also looks like a child. <laughs> he does not. Yeah, but like his voice doesn't sound like a baby's voice. No, but his face he looks like a childlike voice. No, but we're not going to see Jacob Trombley's face. I'm talking just about the voice. I think I don't think he I'm sure his voice is fine. Otherwise, they would not. If he's hit that mark in life where he's become a man and his voice has changed, I don't think they would hire him for Flounder to be like, hello, I'm Flounder. Well, either way, we know Halle Bailey, who's playing Ariel, is going to have an amazing singing voice. And that's what's yes. most important. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the songs and it just being an exciting. This is actually one of the few live action movies that I'm sort of glad that they're making because of the cast. Right. You just want to see Javier Bardem play a merman? Yeah, I think he's going to be so cool. And his voice just, like, I feel like it's going to fit so perfect in the King Triton, like, you know, persona. What else could we ask for? Um, I was going to talk about Hercules, but we don't have to. Hercules? To which... Are they making a live-action Hercules? Yes. No. How are they going to make those... Um... Wait, I think live-action Hercules is going to be good. You think live-action Hercules is going to be good? But they have, like, the whole thing with the spirits and, you know, they have the things coming. I don't know. Half that movie is, like, very... 
animated. Now, all these movies are 100 percent very animated. <laughs> yes, the Little Mermaid is half fish. <laughs> literally, literally, all of them are 100 percent animated. No, I think, I think Hercules could be good. I think there's something interesting about seeing. I mean, I, I mean, like all the other movies about humans playing gods, yeah. Troy and whatever else. Uh, um, God, I watched that on an airplane. I see Hercules being more like Aladdin in terms of the animation to. Oh, I see. Okay. Do we know the casting for that yet? We'll talk to me after the cast is announced. (laughs) Then I'll decide if I'm excited about it or not. But this is one that I'm excited to hear who's going to be cast in the movie. Also, it's weird because did you watch that show Once Upon a Time? I watched season one. Yes, I did, actually. They cast literally every single one of these characters on that show at one point or another. So it's like, I feel like I've seen a human play every single one of these. Not like Simba. I didn't go that far. I don't think Hercules was on season one, but I do know Jeremy, Jamie Dornan was on that show. Mr. 50. Yeah, Jamie Jamie Dornan played the, the huntsman. Yeah. I know they had, um, they had Hades on that show and you know who he was played by? Donald Trump. (laughs) Yeah. He was played by Donald Trump. No, it was played by Greg German, who also played your favorite Dr. Tom Karasik on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, why would you? We were doing so well, and you have to bring up Krasik. What's wrong with you? I'm glad I didn't make it that far. I didn't see him on that. But show. they also they did also have a her- actual Hercules. Well, a cast that we actually have some more information on is Pinocchio, which I am actually pretty excited about. I think Tom Hanks is playing Geppetto. I can't believe he's not playing Pinocchio. It's so weird. Um, but Becky, one of your favorites, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. From 500 Days of Summer, and that's the only movie you should ever watch of his. <laughs> like, that's the only movie? You don't... Joseph Gordon-Levitt does not need a from this movie. Well, that's just my one of my favorite movies, so Intro. I always like to mention the it. 10 Things I Hate About You. I know, but he wasn't really, like... I, I wasn't paying attention to Joseph Gordon-Levitt and 10 Things I Hate About You. I was very focused on Heath Ledger. Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's so cute in that movie. He is. He is sweet. But yeah, Pinocchio is one of those movies that... Like Dumbo just mostly triggers bad memories for me. Like I can pinpoint which scenes terrified me as a child. And I don't know that I want to see them again. What scenes? Pleasure Island. <laughs> the kids get turned into donkeys. The whale. I'm good. Well, maybe this one be a little bit different. No, I feel similarly about this upcoming Peter Pan remake. Peter Pan and oh. Wendy. Like Peter Pan was never my favorite. No. I preferred Hook. Oh, Peter Pan was one of my favorite, favorite movies. I used to watch this on a loop on a VHS. I like ruined the VHS um, and my mom had to get another copy of it. I loved the original Peter Pan. I don't know why. I love Tinkerbell. I do think think Jude Law as Captain Hook sounds interesting. He's good at playing a villain. Sienna Miller would know. Whoa. (laughs) A deep cut. A deep cut. I'm excited to see Yara Shahidi as Tinkerbell. That seems like more inspired casting than these rumors that Reese Witherspoon's going to star in a standalone live-action Tinkerbell movie that have been around for like the past six years. Who knows if that's going to materialize or not? Yeah, I mean, let's hope we've we've decided against that as you know, as a production crew on that film. Maybe you know, maybe she's outgrown this role in the past six years. I don't know. I don't know. She could have that. Uh... I'm mostly upset at Reese Witherspoon because I know she is taking one of one of my most favorite books that I've read the past couple of years. Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine and she's going to play the main character. And I really, really enjoyed that book. And I, I just don't want Reese Witherspoon to play this character. Well, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry for this. Yeah. This is happening to you. She keeps coming from all the things that I love. So, Zareen, I wasn't expecting to talk about 500 Days of Summer, not once, but twice today. But <laughs> the director of 500 Days of Summer, Mark Webb, is also directing one of these live action remakes, perhaps arguably the most iconic, which is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. What? Oh, my God. Yes. And that movie, that the is... cast is all coming together. But Rachel Ziegler has been cast as Snow White. Ah, uh, Yes. People are upset Who, that she is not white people enough. are upset. No one even knows her yet, but she's come, going to star in the forthcoming West Side Story. She's playing Maria. People were already mad at her when she was cast in that because people thought she was dating Ansel Elgort. So much. <laughs> we've aged so much <laughs> since she was cast in West Side Story, but now she's going to play Snow White. She's also going to be in the Shazam sequel. So oh God, her short resume is really filled with pretty big movies. Yeah. Well, I just think it's funny that people are upset that she's not white enough. To your point, which you we talked about earlier before we were recording, um, that white people are actually not the color of snow. Right. Should they have cast Casper, the friendly ghost, in this role? <laughs> seems like it. That would probably We need someone the... who's actually white as snow. Yeah, that seems to be the gripe that a lot of people are having. So, you know. Wait, wait till we see who's going to be cast as the hunchback in the live action <laughs> hunchback. I mean, there's so much to look forward to. <laughs> I think going into this new era of live action, I'm I'm more excited than I've been in the past because, you know, uh, casting directors have been forced to wake up a little bit. So the casting is more, you know, representative of society, um, whether it's human or fish, you know, she can be black also. <laughs> That's allowed. So I think going forward, I'm, I'm mostly looking forward to the different um, casting and having, you know, new characters that just are more representative of society. So I have a little bit more hope for the live action going forward. I also do think there's opportunity in some of the origin stories that are coming out uh, with Maleficent obviously has already had two and Cruella sequel is already in the works. Emma Stone is coming back. And I know that people's initial reaction to these is don't touch this. Don't, don't do this, but at least this gives a platform to tell a different story that we're not comparing shot for shot to the original. I think that's where no one's ever going to be completely satisfied with a remake that's exactly the same as the first one. And even when people say, oh, they did some different things, most of the time people don't like the things that they changed, including me. I really didn't like that power ballad that they gave to Princess Jasmine in Aladdin. I thought it was a good thought, but in the live action Aladdin, yeah. it was the worst song and then it just seemed lazy. So yeah. I think it's a better idea to try to move in a di different direction or just tell me a slightly different story that I am not as familiar with, even if it's in some fairy tale book or something and everyone knows the story, I would like to at least feel like I'm seeing something different. Right. Something fresh. Okay. Well, speaking of fresh, oh, God, are you ready for your burning question? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. Here's your burning question. It's a nice one. It's going to harken back to your childhood. Zareen, mm. congratulations. Oh, no. You have been selected to star in Disney's new live-action remake. What is it? And what character will you be playing? It can be one of these movies. Um, What's the Disney role that you would most want to take on? Is it weird that I mostly identify with Pumbaa? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's not the answer I was expecting. And it's not the meatiest role, but... Well, you know, um, he just seems generally unfazed by everything and is in a good mood all the time. I would like to, I would strive to be that way. 
And he farts a lot. Okay. You have that in common. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for <laughs> That's that. That's his main attribute. You know DJ, play Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your day. Not Over It is hosted and produced by Becky Kirsch and Zareen Siddiqui. Our producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is John Ross. Our executive producers are Allison Noel and Lisa Sugar. Have something to share? Tell us the moments you're not over by emailing us at notoverit at popsugar.com. Thanks for listening.